the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. turn your Bibles with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31, reading a single verse, verse 6. Be strong. And of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor forsake you. This little bit I wanted to share with you, something that's simply titled, It Takes Courage. Would you stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me, Father? when I am reminded of how much you love this people, God. I'm I'm humbled that I'm standing here. I just pray that, Holy Spirit, you do what you do so well. I, I just pray that you would manifest truth in the heart of every believer here today. Jesus, you said your words are spirit and they are life. I pray that I share your words today. I take authority over everything, every contrary spirit, everything that would hinder. I even now unlock those in bondage, and I declare that through the truth, we will be made free today in Jesus' name. Amen. It takes courage. I think about all the things that I wish I knew when I was younger. You ever do that? If you, if you don't do that, you're not old yet. Or older. And I, I wish somebody would have early in my life told me that I'm going to need courage every day. That, that rarely can you just float. We, we like to vacation up in Ludington, Michigan, and there's a, a, a river that flows between Lake Hamlin and Lake Michigan. And I, I think it's called the Little Sobble River. And I, it's maybe, I don't know, a mile and a half long. But you can get in the river right by the dam on a floaty thing and just float. And you, you have to sometimes get off away from the shore a little bit, but you could literally just float all the way down. And that, that's a relaxing thing to do, isn't it? Just to get on a river and float. 
you get to see the scenery change, you get to interact with other people. If you're like us, you take some, something to drink and you just get to just soak up the sun. And doesn't that sound good right about now? Just soak up the sun and just, just float. And you know, the reality is though, in life you rarely ever get to do that. You can find yourself thrust into situations on a daily basis that's going to draw on courage. When it's often easier to be quiet, when it's often easier just to step back, when it's often easier just to go with the flow, I don't know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's easier just to let somebody continue in their deception, just... You don't want to speak up. You don't want to, I don't know, I don't want And yet it just, sometimes it just takes courage. In fact, it takes courage far more in life than I ever expected it would. And here God is saying something that has been speaking to me lately. He is telling his people, be strong. And of good courage. I didn't know there was bad courage. But he tells them. You understand the original Hebrew language here? He's literally saying, it's in you. Just let it out. How many have a, a, a Keurig-like coffee machine? You put the little pod thing in, and you press the button, and it makes your coffee. That's almost the sense you get here in this verse. God is saying, just press the courage button. Just, just keep, keep pressing it. I found out in life that you need to know where the courage button is, and you need to just keep pressing it. Because courage isn't, a person who's courageous is not a person who's absent of fear. It's a person who, in the presence of fear, just pushes the courage button. A courageous person is not a one who's not afraid. They're the one who stands up even while they're afraid and faces it. They're the one that understands that down inside of them is something more and they'll never know what it is until they just stand up and press the button. A number of years ago, I was at a general assembly in Louisiana, my wife and I, and general assembly is when the church of God gathers from around the world. And they conduct business, if you will. There's 15 or 20,000 people who will, will gather at one of those. And there was a, a and we, we at, in the morning sessions and the afternoon sessions, they, they discuss business, if you will. And oftentimes it involves scripture and where's our stance on this. And there, there was a matter before the body that I felt very passionate about. I sincerely felt like we were going the opposite direction and I felt like somebody needed to speak up. And I, 
I felt like I had the share. That year, the, the, the General Assembly was held at the Louisiana Superdome, you know, where the New Orleans Saints play football. And, you know, about half of the seats were filled. We, we only used half of the building, but, but at least half of the seats, it seemed like, were in the building were filled, and there were seats on the floor, and, and there were 10 or 12 podiums you could go to, and, and, and they, they, it was a podium like this, and there's a light next to it, and, and if you had something to share, you went to the podium, and you pressed a button that turned on the light. And in the order that they're lit, the moderator then, then calls on that person. And, and when the time comes, he calls on that person, and he presses a button, and that makes your microphone live. For a guy who's backwards, <laughs> walking up to a microphone and pressing a button, and then standing there for 20 minutes while it comes your turn, that was one of the more terrifying things I've ever done. Knowing that when they called on you, 20,000 people, plus how many by the live feed are going to be listening to what you say. And then if it couldn't get worse, it did. Uh, what I didn't account for is the time delay. So when he acknowledged the person at microphone 12 and I saw the microphone light up, it was now my turn to speak, I started to speak and it was like this. My name is Michael Rice. You have to introduce yourself. There was about a six or seven second delay between the time you spoke and you heard it come back. And I didn't quite catch that. So I said, my name is my, is this work? And then I heard myself. And you have to spend all that time talking while in the background over the PA system, you're hearing yourself what you said about seven seconds ago. It's distracting. found that life constantly demands courage. And the reality is that every one of us has far more courage than we realize. When you look up the word courage in the scriptures, when you look up strong, God is constantly saying this, be strong be courageous, or take courage. He never puts us on a hunt for it. If I'd have known at 15 what I know now, I would have found out that I, I have all the courage I'm ever going to get. I just got to press the button. If you've been here on Wednesday night, we've been talking about how Paul is talking about how easy it is he, at least he talks in language that makes it sound easy to just do something for God. Well, all the way back in Deuteronomy 31, God is just saying, just be strong. 
we went to pastor our first church, and it was not at all what we were expecting. And it only took me a few, few days to find out we were so, so, so in debt. We didn't have one mortgage or two mortgages. We had three mortgages. And all of them were overdue. We had $3,400 worth of checks bounced all over town. Utilities are waiting to be shut off. And so I, 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 Gail Beth and I had had two services and nobody showed up. It was just me and her and the baby. And so when I finally got an understanding of where we're at, I, I called the district overseer and I said, listen, Brother Lambert, I, I need to let you know that the, uh, here, here, here's where the church is at financially. And I explained it to him and I said, and, and the mortgages, we got three of them. We don't have one, we have three. And all of them are behind, but the, the first mortgage is the worst. We're, we're behind three months payment on that thing. I'll never forget his response. Well, you need to get that paid. The sarcastic side of me wanted to say, oh, good idea. I'll just get right on that. $1,800 times three. I said, and where do you suggest I get the funds? He says, how much came in Sunday? I said, $41. That's what my wife and I put in. $41. But God isn't like him. God is saying something to the children of Israel. He's saying something, and he's saying, just do it. You, you have it in you, just do it. I, I thought courage was standing up when you weren't afraid, but in reality, courage is standing up when you're afraid. I kept waiting in my life for an absence of fear where, where it's a sure bet I'm going to stand up and everybody's going to love me and everybody's going to agree with me and we're just going to move forward. And I'm still waiting for that opportunity to come. Because the reality is no matter what you do, you're, you're going to tick somebody off. Tell the person next to you, that's true. Do not fear. Isn't it funny how he says that? Just don't do it. Just fear is one of those things, you know, what, if, whether you realize it or not, you can turn it off like a light switch. You ever had your fear carry away with you? You ever have it just think about the dumbest thing you did because you were afraid. Anybody else ever done some dumb things when they were afraid? And fear is something, whether you understand it or not, God understands this. You can turn it off and on. I found if I just don't focus, if I just... But when I focus, it was late at night and it was I think it was a Saturday night and I was at the church getting ready for the next day and, and the uh, the weather had turned for the worse and it was late and I'm the only one there and pretty soon the wind's blowing pretty hard and everything's creaking and 
Normally that wasn't an issue, but on this one particular night, it was, a, it was an issue. I let it become an issue. And what made it worse is they, they designed a building that was really stupid. Before you went out the front door, you had to turn the lights off, but the lights were at the other end of the hall. So you'd have to go to the other end of the hall and turn the lights off and then walk through the dark building and go out the front door. And, and I'd already allowed my, my fears to get away from me. Every little noise was... Don't look at me like that. I'm just being open and honest with you. I got out the front door. I couldn't wait to get into my car. I locked the front door and... After you lock the front door, you've got to walk along the side of the building about that far until you get to the corner. And right when I got to the corner, somebody jumped out. They attacked me. Mustering all of my martial arts training. I've watched kung fu movies. I quickly went for the throat. It was a direct hit. I felt its neck snap. I kicked, and then I stopped. Having dealt my damage, I got into the car and drove home and told nobody. I told nobody about my attacker. The next morning was Sunday morning. It was a bright, sunny day, and as people were coming into church and I'm at their front door greeting them, person after person said, Pastor, what happened to the bush out front? That's after two story. Somebody broke the top of the bush out front. I'm not going to tell them, but I'm not going to lie either. I said, man, it was windy last night. I just got to thinking, some of them actually listen to our videos on Facebook. They're going to find out now what happened to that bush. I never told anybody. Fear. You can just turn it on and off. You can make a decision not to be afraid. Again and again and again and again and again, the scripture says, do not be afraid, do not fear. Do not be afraid, do not fear. Be courageous, be strong. God acts like we can literally choose to not be afraid and we can choose to be courageous. You want to know why God thinks that way? Because that's exactly how it is. He says in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit showed up in the garden. One of the things that they said to Adam is, Who told you you were naked? I didn't tell you that. And God is telling us here in Scripture that He has not given us a spirit of fear. So where did we get that from? Who told you to be afraid? Romans 8.15 says it this way. 
For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You will find a common thread throughout Scripture, and that is that God ties a relationship, our relationship with him to an absence of fear. The greater your relationship is with him, the less you're afraid. He says here that we were not given this spirit of fear again to bondage. The spirit of bondage again to fear. He didn't give us that. We, we, we got that somewhere else. It's like the dog who returns to its vomit. Why, why, do, why do my people go back to something I never gave them? Why do, why do they go back to that? Why do you want to go back to... You call this old school if you want to. I don't understand why people will watch movies that cause them to be afraid. Cause them to be instilled with fear. I don't understand that. That's a part of your base carnal nature because your base carnal nature was given a spirit of fear to bondage. But the you, the spirit in you, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And, and it's kind of like the, the young man who said to his grandfather, I don't, you know, Grandpa, sometimes I, I want to do good. And sometimes I want to do bad. He said, it's like two dogs living inside of me. You know, how, how, do, I, how do I deal with this? And he said, starve the dog you don't like and feed the dog you do. So you, you need to not be feeding your, your, your soul with fear. You need to be feeding your spirit with relationship. First John 4, verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world, in this world. That, that, that verse confuses people sometimes. You, we, we get caught up on that, that, that day of judgment thing, okay? And you think that this is having boldness on that day of judgment, and it says that, but, but look at the whole verse. Love has been perfected among us, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. Let me read that today and take out the, 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 the middle section of that. You know, there's, a, there's an apostrophe before it, and there's a, I'm sorry, a comma before it, a comma after it. That's its own thought. The verse says, love has been perfected uh, among us in this. Because as he is, so are we in the world. 
How was Jesus? He walked through life without a care. Master, how are we going to feed these thousands? Not a problem. What do you got? What do you got? Here, little boy, give us your lunch. (laughs) Here, we got this. Little boy's lunch. I hate the pictures that people have drawn of this. They show them standing before Jesus, and they got all this bread and all these fish. The little boy's lunch was a couple of biscuits and most likely some sardines. That's what a little boy's lunch would have looked like back then. They said, we have this. He said, good, that's enough. How was Jesus in this world? Master, we need to pay taxes. Go catch a fish. Open his mouth, there'll be money in the fish's mouth. Master, we, we, need to, we need to prepare for the Passover. Just go in the town, you'll find a donkey. You'll see a, a house and talk to the guy, and he'll let you have the upper room. Get into this boat, go to the other side, I'll meet you over there. He goes up the mountain to pray. They start across, and a storm comes up, and they're going to perish. He comes down off the mountain, and he's walking on the water, and the Bible says he's going to walk right past them. It looks like he's going to walk right past them. They're drowning, and he's like, all right. Master, don't you care that we perish? He wasn't afraid. He's chastised him. Why did you have doubt? You see, when he was on the other side with them and he told them to get into the boat, go to the other side, what he literally did in that moment is he ordained a preordained appointment that they were going to make it. So he wasn't worried about them drowning. Before that, he was in a boat with them in the middle of a storm, and they got irritated because he slept. He said, there's no big deal here. He's He's not worried. He had courage. Don't tell me, you ever been out in a boat in a, in a storm? Now, there's reason to be afraid. Been there, done that, don't want to do it again. But Jesus slept. Why? Because there was nothing really to be afraid about. His life was in his father's hands. He could look the religious in the eye and say, you hypocrite. How could he be so bold? Because he just pressed the bold button. Inside of every one of you is a bold button. You just got to press it. Remember years ago, <laughs> we, we went to pastor a church, and, and the, the church was in turmoil. And um, which seemed typical every time we went somewhere. But the, the, the fellow... The state overseer, the guy that's in charge of the Church of God in 
and the state had been there just two weeks prior, and he had made promises about that the state office would pay certain bills. And two weeks after he's there, he leaves. And a new guy comes in, and in a, in a, in, you know, I was appointed by the guy, that, and then he leaves. And so then there's a new guy in, and, and so I, I, I find out about the promises that were made, and so I call the state office, and, and I'm respectful. I said, listen, here's, here's the situation we face. You know, with, the church doesn't have any money, and, and, and the state overseer prior to you promised to pay this. And he said, well, that promise left when he left. And I said, no, sir. No, sir, that's... No, sir, I've, I've been a pastor, okay? And I know that when the other pastor leaves, his, prom, his problems don't leave with him. I inherit them. People in your, your office have told me that. So that other guy may have left, but now this is on your desk, and... I need to know when we can count on you taking care of that. He said, I'll, I'll be back with you. And he, he got off the phone. And he immediately called one of my friends who he knew personally. He said, I just got off the phone with Mike Rice. And uh, that was kind of an odd conversation we had. Do, do I need to be worried about him? My friend said, no, no. You don't have to worry about him. Here's what you need to know about him. He says what most of us think about saying. You know, uh, there's no magic powder. There's no magic formula. It's this. I, I have this understanding. I have a God in heaven who loves me. You've got a God in heaven who loves you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And when you know that, you just hit the bold button. What can, if God be for me, if, notice the if, you need to know that. You need to know if God be for me. That's the only if in that equation, if God. Do you know that? If God be for me, who can be against me? And can I tell you, this is, this is like its own dynamo. When you get an inkling that God loves you, go ahead and smack the courage button. When you smack the courage button, God will show up. And then you'll know he loves you a little bit more. So then when you're given the opportunity to smash the courage button again, you smash it again. Why? Because then you're going to find out he, he loves you even more. And because you know he loves you more, you smash the courage button again. Amen? Because you know that the last two times you smashed it and you stuck yourself out there, you found out he was with you. You knew more when that was over that he was with you than you knew before you smashed the courage button.
JJ used to love to get up on a chair and jump and have me catch him. Get up on the, t- the couch and jump and have me catch him. He, he full confidence because I never dropped him, but it got to the point he, he almost wore it out. It would be like, Dad, and I'd look and he'd be in midair. <laughs> Son! Oh. Gail Beth gave me as a, I think it was Gail Beth and J.D. or maybe just Gail Beth gave me a gift as a picture where, both of you, we were at a, a, some, someplace in the fall and J.D. was still just a little squirt and, and I, he loved for me to pick him up and throw him in the air. And I picked him up and I would throw him, I'd throw him as high as I could throw him. And I mean, he'd be up there. And I know that if I ever didn't catch him, I'd catch it. He'd have been hurting. Because I threw him. I'd throw him high. He'd, and there was nothing but glee on his face. Why? Because I never dropped him. And your Heavenly Father wants you to know he'll never drop you. He'll never, ever, ever drop you. Look what verse 18 says in 1 John 4. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. The words fear and love, you'd be amazed how many times those words are tied together in Scripture. You wouldn't think there was any connection between those two. And yet God says this, that you can get to the place in your life where you have no fear. And when you get to that place, your love has been perfected or matured. How many want to get to that place? I'm going to tell you how to get there. Real simple. Smash the courage button. That's it. Smash the courage button. Whatever that looks like. Usually starts with just being you. Quit trying to be somebody else. God made you like you. Just just be you. Quit trying to fit in somewhere. Just, just be you. Smash the courage button. Smash the courage button. I'm going to be what God's called me to be. doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. Just hit the courage button. When you're given an opportunity to do something for God or to sit on your, on your hands and do nothing, smash the courage button and smash it hard. I read somebody who shared a story. They were in a restaurant and they saw a homeless man digging through the trash and, and they felt bad for the individual and they went over to him and encouraged him to go to the counter he will, and they would buy food for him and feed him a meal. And, and I applaud them taking that step. So he 
bought the man a meal, and as the man turned from the counter, he said, Jesus loves you, and so do I. And then he walked out the door as the homeless man went to eat his meal. I applaud the compassion and the courage. But I wish they'd have smashed the, the button harder. I wish they'd have sat at the table with them. Instead of letting me eat alone. And share with them the love of God. And before everything's over, tell them, ask them, can I pray for you? I'm guessing someday it'll happen. And I'm not bragging. Don't, don't, you're not hearing me bragging. And I'm, but I'm guessing someday it'll happen. But I've never had somebody tell me no when I've asked them if I could pray for them. And if they do, and when they do, I probably will ask again. So smash the courage button. Just, just do it. I'm not borrowing that from Nike. Nike borrowed it from God. Just do it. Be of courage. It's in you already. Don't wait for to get it somewhere. It's in you waiting to be released. The Bible talks about that we are ordained to good works. We just have to release it. Just do it. It, it takes courage to be who God's called you to be. It takes courage to speak up. It takes courage to take a risk. It takes courage to engage somebody. It takes courage to speak the truth. It takes courage to in, get involved in a relationship with somebody. It takes courage to call the relationship off when it's turned toxic to you. It takes courage to have life, to be alive. But I want to tell you that when you smash the courage button, something changes. It's as if you're smashing a courage button and the presence of God is being released and a boldness will come to you a presence you will realize in that moment you're not alone and you will never fully know the the love and presence of God until you get into the habit of pressing the courage button to love somebody who seems like they're unlovable, to love somebody even though everybody else has given up on them, to just keep smashing the courage button. Because that releases something. Tell your neighbor, smash your courage button. If we the people of God could just smash the courage button, Speak up. God said, I sought for a man among them to stand in the gap and to make up the hedge. And I found none. God help us. Smash the courage button. Pastor, what if, get rid of the what if. I'll tell you what will happen when you smash the courage button. 
You'll become greater and more aware of the presence of God than you've ever been before. When you see that smashing the courage button made a change in somebody's life. Smash the courage button. Would you stand to your feet this morning? That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.